Hello and welcome to the pod of never. This is your host, Matthew Nanez. Today's podcast is with my friend, Derek Ballard. I've known him for many years from the punk and hardcore scene in Salt Lake City. He plays in the hardcore band Despite Despair and him and his wife, Brighton, lead their design agency, Neurogeist, and their printing arm of the business, Risergeist. Along with the client work they do, they also create great merchandise featuring their talents like t-shirts, beanies, and popular culture and politics-inspired prints, like their Wes Anderson theme posters, and some of my personal favorites, their Midsummer and Avatar The Last Airbender tarot cards. Derek has also done the Swans of Never logo and the Pod of Never logo, so if you see the swan when you uh, queued up this podcast, that's him. That's Derek, and he does a great job. So in the podcast, we get into his love of the outdoors, how he got into politics through hardcore, in the power of graphic design and activism, and much, much more. So and before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know, I've been doing some pod of never radio shows on Spotify. What it is, is I wax poetic about some music that I really love and I'm super into, and I also play some music. So my dreams of being a radio DJ are being fulfilled, but it is a Spotify exclusive. So if you're on Spotify, keep on the lookout for those. I'm going to have a lot of fun with those doing some different themes or talking to different people about some music they love too. I just want to make this a really fun, um, just a really fun experience um, doing all sorts of different types of shows. So also, if you have not heard my band, Swans of Never, we are also on every single streaming uh, platform that you can think of. So the latest uh, the latest single I've done, Reservations for the End of the World, that's up. And I'm working on some brand new material right now that is hopefully going to be up in the next month or so. Anyways, let's get to the episode. This is Derek Ballard. <laughs> So how, how are things been? How, how are you managing through the, the, the pandemic? Yeah, not terrible. Uh, I was, when I'm asked that question, I was feel incredibly like selfish to answer that. Like I've been okay. And also, you know, feel very fortunate um, to not have any, like, I mean, there's obviously tragedy all around us, but nothing super immediate. Yeah, and as far as just like being able to make ends meet and and cruise along, it, it's it's been fine for us, you know. So yeah, that's kind of how 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 I feel too. Like I've had some, not me personally. Oh, I mean, I, I got tested four times. There's a couple times where I thought it was like a close call, and I had you know I did have family that had it, but nothing like. I mean, like further down the line in the family, like there's been some bad stuff as far, but as far as like immediately in my, in my sphere, there hasn't been anything too, too crazy. But um, yeah, I, I kind of feel that too. Like the, you know, you, you kind of feel guilty for when, when you realize like things haven't been like that bad, <laughs> like comparatively yeah. speaking. I mean, 
I mean, I could go on for about like mental health and I've talked about it here, like on, on this podcast before about how it's affected me, my mental health, but really like in a whole like shape of things is like, I've, I've been pretty okay. So, uh, no, yeah, that, that's, that's good to hear. And it's, and it's good. I guess it's a, a small blessing that you essentially work from your own space. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally outside of a couple meetings, and I do still carry on a job tuning skis uh, <laughs> where that requires me on spot, but I just do that one night a week because I, I really enjoy it. And yeah. I've just been doing that for like half my life. So I'm just not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, as far as like what makes my bread and butter, it's, it's all at home and same with Brighton. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that. And now like we haven't had to like go out and face like the dangers and we've had just a, economical safety of just being continued work, you know, being mm-hmm. able to stay busy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been very good for us. Um, uh, comparatively and yeah, just other, other weird nuances that came up through this, you know, these times is just like slowing down. Like you, I mean, you know how much capacity like going like going to shows, being in bands, practicing in bands, yeah. other hobbies that are generally tied to being in public. When yeah. you eliminate those, <laughs> it, it creates so much free space, which I've, I've scarily, I, I've been, I'm starting to value it. And it's kind of like frightening, like, Oh man, do I want to go? Do I want to completely return? I, I mean, yeah. I miss those things like crazy, mm-hmm. but like, but there's been also, as there's been like advantages as far as mental health, as well you know isolation is one thing but just slowing down i've been able to manage my life in a in a manner that has been beneficial been able to bike more focus on just certain projects and actually finish them that i've been that have been back burner for so so long Mm -hmm. you know and and i'm i'm a yes man like if if someone's hanging out someone's going to a show and they invite me generally i'm there like it's hard for me to turn down anything (laughs) and i don't you know i don't say that with resentment i love it i enjoy every minute of it but i definitely put like a lot of my personal passion and projects and and things that that really make me feel healthy and well i put those to the side you know to to not miss out on on what's going on out in the world so yeah that's funny because i'm kind of the the same way um because before i moved to to nashville like w- once i once i went to nashville i didn't really play any music because that's a whole different game there as far as like i mean there's punk and hardcore scenes there too but like it was just a different era of my life but but right before covid happening happened i was actually getting mentally ready to, to hop in and yeah and, and that does take time you know as far as like especially if you're in a band rather than like a solo thing I was doing, like you're going to practices, you are hanging out afterwards, getting a burrito or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. that I miss that a lot. Oh yeah. The hanging out, the being in like a shitty diner or pizza shop where you just talk for hours. Yeah. Like I crave that almost as much as just seeing a band live, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But then you forget, like, I think to what you're saying, you you kind of forget what all entails of of that, you know? It's a liability, you know? It it takes a lot of time, effort, and energy. And I've realized that. And, like, I'll remember, I'll take that with me going back into it. And I'll go back into it with ease, you know? Mm -hmm. Not saying, like, oh, that part of my life is just done, but it's just like, oh, wow, I've realized 
I need to slow down a bit. I realize the strength in focusing on one thing, like how you can actually like become really good <laughs> if you yeah. don't spread yourself thin. It's yeah. so silly, but like mountain biking, I, it's been a part of my life for so long, but I've only been able to go when I can go. And, mm -hmm. and I've just had a lot of free evenings and free time to go. And I've just like, I've done like stuff I'd never thought of, like hucking cars, like car gaps and things. I, I would ride by them. Like, I'll never do that. I, uh, that's crazy. And now I'm just like going big on a mountain <laughs> bike. Like, hell yeah. It's just been a lot of fun. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. No, I guess that's like a, a great thing too, to have um, something that was outdoors that you enjoyed mm -hmm. doing. And yeah. So, so, I mean, not everyone has that, you know, like I know no. we're like, like going to the gym and they weren't able to do it for a long, long time. So, yeah. Yeah. Another one of those circumstantial things where not only is just a hobby I already had, like, and had all the equipment for ready to roll, you know, um, but just living in a state like Utah where everything's spread out and you can do it. It's not like I'm in some metropolis where it's like you go outside and you're already surrounded by a hundred people. Yeah. You know? And I, yeah, that's also like, I don't know what my mental health would be if I was in, you know, if I was living in Vienna or New York or somewhere, some giant city, I don't know how I would handle it. It's, I, I feel for those, the people that are just, you know, that really had to lock themselves up. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess that's a good, good uh, segue into, um, did you, were you born and raised here in, in Utah? Yep. Uh, born and raised in Taylorsville, Utah. Cool. So like that outdoor lifestyle was probably was it a, a part of you for a pretty early age um yes i know um just also growing up it's kind of different you know like growing up in a suburb it was less of a priority like my my family would do some like hiking very little camping but we also yeah i just like we also didn't like have I guess the money to just start skiing, you know? So I honestly didn't, my, I skated. I loved it. I biked around the neighborhood um, until I got my first job at little Caesars and could afford like a, a pass at Brighton and, a, mm -hmm. and, you know, a junkie vision snowboard, you know? So I, I didn't start snowboarding until like high school. And I was, I was kind of resentful. I'm like, damn, I've been missing out on this. Like my, my whole youth where I could have like learned to really shred and go big and just, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it, a lot of that out, outdoor stuff didn't really come till a little later in my life, but, uh, yeah, yeah for, for me, it was, the, it was like, it was very cost prohibitive, even like back then. And like, and I had like guitar and I had other stuff. I was, you know, going to shows. So I was like, Oh, there goes my money. That's where I put my money. But like, Sure. But the cost of everything, I don't think everyone like realizes if they're not from Utah, like the cost of skiing and snowboarding, it's gone up quite a bit from when we were, we were kids too. And so like, mm -hmm. in my mind, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I don't know if you think of it this way, but like, unless like you put a really, unless you prioritize it, like as far as your money is concerned, it is kind of like a separating of class. like if you've got other things that you're putting your money towards, like in your, your stretch thin, you're not going skiing or, or snowboarding. That's how I saw it, especially, especially absolutely. as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have the time, I mean, most of us are working through the, the best hours when you would go do something like that. Yeah. And so it's like, Oh, I'll realistically only use the snowboard like six to seven times a year at most. 
how can I justify like jumping in, uh, you know, yeah. the cost of equipment or a season pass that you may not really utilize. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've always kept it pretty inexpensive. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've done trade work. I've yeah. I've ridden on like really old equipment. I mean, even in the mountain biking sphere, you could spend a ton of money, but like I, yeah. I've, I've found a way to keep it really low. And that's just because like I work at, you know, a, a ski shop, outdoor shop where I can pro deal things for pretty cheap. Mm. Uh, but I realized like, yeah, for most, like that world is pretty inaccessible to get like set up properly. And, and it does help. Like it, it hinders you to be on old stuff. Like <laughs> this year I've, I've balled out a little bit on equipment and like, damn, like this changes the game, you know, like <laughs> even just getting a bike rack of means, cause I used to bike from wherever I live to the trail, do the, do the trail and come back. And that is physically hard. And it's also just yeah. time consuming. And now I have like a proper rack for the first time, which is crazy because I'm biking so long, like, but I can just throw my mountain bike on it and go like, you know, do an hour and a half commitment to a local ride mm. where before it was like an ordeal and therefore I'd go a lot less, but now it's just practical for me. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that's, um, I guess native or, to, or, or, uh, people know Utah from is, is, uh, is hardcore music. And I think that's where you and I, uh, first, begin to know each other as far as going to shows and and playing shows together and so along with getting into like the outdoor stuff like when did you start getting into hardcore music um yeah so that was so my father listened to like pretty heavy music and kind of got me into that world mostly like he listened to like Queensryche, Guns N' Roses. Oh, like the metal. Okay. You know, the metal. Ozzy, Black Sabbath, you know, Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. you know. And so we, he would take me to concerts and you know, I really enjoyed it. Like one of the first shows I went to, or I guess we would call it concerts when it's on that level, um, was Typo Negative. And that <laughs> was <amazing>. sick. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a good show to have. <laughs> my dad introduced me to and that like yeah those kind of things like got me into the world and we do like little gray world trips that i'll always be incredibly grateful for um my dad himself was not like a musician or anything but just um a fan you know and loved loved it and and yeah got into like rage against machines which like triggered the uh political interest yeah and sent me down a rabbit hole and i remember like um picking out an earth crisis album because of the cover and it was like in their like glass case all out war uh-huh. and i was like oh this is intriguing and, and got it and i'm like wow like the, i had never heard anything that heavy yeah. um so i i, I kind of went from like you know rage against the scene machine nirvana like grunge bands to like skipping that like like really like like death metal like cannibal corpse things but right into hardcore mm-hmm. um and then that opened up a world of like Snapcase, bloodlet integrity like all those those classic uh, victory records band so um yeah i immediately just fell in love with it my dad definitely like i would try to show it to him and he's like nah that's that's too much <laughs> you that's, know that's interesting that's, yeah like there's bands he's like in recent times got into like baroness and we okay. i brought him to an urban lounge show and he loved it uh, but yeah he's not so into uh like you know breakdowns and screaming and whatnot so I think that's such a, uh, but yeah, from there I went to, uh, Earth, Earth. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to go continue down the rabbit hole of like, then actually like 
connecting to the scene. Yeah. Just like yeah. seeing, um, uh, yeah, seeing a flyer for earth crisis. And I think it was earth crisis downset damnation AD crown of thorns, which became Scarhead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I went to that show and it was a game changer. I was a complete outsider. Like I had long blonde hair, combat boots, looked like <laughs> just some mess of a, grunge goth kid that did not fit in and yeah. thankfully my experience was good you know yeah and, that's not always good I've, no I've, I've seen it yeah my own eyes. yeah at that time if you were an outsider you were definitely like made aware of that you know yeah i mean you know it's not like people came and like introduced themselves to me and i felt welcome i was still pretty much a loner but i i loved it i loved the feeling it gave me like the energy I loved, um, you know, the political interest and awareness about like different issues in the world that just like, Oh, it felt like music with purpose Mm -hmm. and it felt more like a lifestyle and more, you know, just not superficial. It felt it had substance and that immediately attracted, attracted me to it. And, you know, yeah. So prior to rage, like was politics something that your family was into? Like, did you ever like overhear like your parents talking about voting or different things happening in the, in the country or was rage like your first introduction to anything like that? I mean, yeah, I, I would hear them talk about those things and my sisters were both pretty um, environmentally conscious so that like I would join them on like, like tree Utah thing, like weekends and we go pine trees, you know, just liberal type stuff. Uh, but it was interesting and it felt important to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, my parents didn't delve too much into, uh, like my dad is a Vietnam vet, but he has a very like pragmatic thinking about it. And he realizes like all the corruption and everything involved. And I always respect him for that. Like, cause he was there, he served, um, but also isn't going to just like be completely prideful and, uh, uh, a patriot as, as patriots call themselves today, you know, like yeah. which seems very skewed. Um, yeah. So, and I'm able to like, I have what most people would consider radical politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they are, but, um, but I can, you know, speak pretty freely and family outings and, and people join in. Sometimes it gets heated. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's, it's welcome. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause for me, um, cause both my parents were um, veterans too, like 20 plus years in the military, both mom and dad. I mean, they oh, never wow. really talked about, um, I mean, they kind of talked about their jobs a little bit and I'd see on the news and they'd have a couple quips here and there of, of their point of view. Of course, they're privy to more information than I ever was or, or will be since classified probably. <laughs> but, like, but I had that backdrop of constantly being around, you know, Air Force bases or Army bases and things like that. And then getting into Rage Against the Machine, especially for me, it was uh, Evil Empire. Which I was like, okay, mm-hmm. here, here we go. And then I remember being in the car with, with someone someday, and they, they played Earth Crisis, Gamora Seasons End, Gamora Seasons Ends. And <laughs> I was just like, that was like the next level of like heavy for me. And then having right. that like political bent to it as well. And so for me, that like, I think we had pretty similar uh, 
trajectories as far as like having that background of being having someone in the military and having that sort of like politics and you know military stuff being in your peripheral and then it's like shoved in front of your face when when Zach De La Roca's yelling freedom you know or whatever else. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah I guess I would say like politics weren't new to me but it was like a new approach to politics like yeah. showing like there's more you can do than just like within within the system you know there's more than voting you can actually take action you can organize yeah. and you can do this a uh, smaller level that's like accessible to you and your friends and your community mm-hmm. um but yeah it's so interesting like the con- the connection because yeah at the time like all i could compare earth crisis to was rage against the machine because it's like the next heaviest thing and it wasn't like just full on like you know death metal you know yeah it had breakdowns and and you know different aspects different structure to it completely you know even though there's a lot of metal influence in earth crisis there was also that it just felt more like i don't know urban for a better lack of word like there was just something that felt more young you know like more yeah yeah you're not you're not getting that at a typo negative show you know as far as like (laughs) the activism or or that even that energy because like stuff like there's an energy to that music like your cream like your metal music and metal adjacent but like i felt like hardcore was just more direct in and real i think yeah i think that's part maybe another word for it as well as like it just felt real to me and then yeah and you absolutely you move from being a spectator to a participant mm-hmm. at those shows yeah you know and that that was the big change and that was that was the thing i like would when i'd play something you know play a cd for someone and they would just be turned off by it but it's like you'll never understand until like you're in the middle of this room sweating with everybody yep. like in unison you'll never you'll never know until you feel that for me okay so for that moment is so i remember someone playing me an afi record and I was like, I don't like this. This sucks. <laughs> you know, it was like one of the earlier ones too, where it wasn't like like the hardcore influence wasn't there yet. But then I had yeah. a friend take me to like um when they were touring on Black Sales, and it was like uh, yeah. right when they started and like on, on supporting that record. <laughs> and I don't know if, if you're familiar with that record, but that first song is just like no, absolutely gang, gang chants, and I'm just like, yeah. Oh my, it blew my mind. Yeah. So was it, was this in Utah? Was that with good riddance? No, I think this one was with uh, death by stereo at bricks before it became okay. Outside outside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I was at that. Like, I I mean, that era of AFI was definitely at every show I could have been. So one was with good riddance, but I think I remember the death by stereo show as well. I get them mixed up, but. Well, they came a lot. I think, I think yeah. since they were like a California band, they, they came through quite a bit. And so, so knowing what I know of you, like what you do professionally, as far as like graphic design and, and printing, what, what drew you to that? Cause in my mind, like it had to have been the hardcore scene, but, or, or did you even before the hardcore scene have an interest in art and things like that? Yeah. So I always was drawing and sketching. Um, my mom, is an oil painter. She doesn't do it um, currently. She really should. She's she's really good. But yeah, she has an art background and was always doodling. And I think I just kind of picked that up. So at a very young age, I was like drawing like dinosaurs and Street Fighter characters. 
Um, I loved it, you know, <laughs> and I started taking art classes in high school, took an AP one and did not do very well. In fact, I was told like, I should probably just not pursue it. Wow. I, I took it to heart. Yeah. It was from a teacher and it was impactful in a very negative way. Mm. And a lot of it, I think had to do with my subject matter. I mean, I was drawing like corny stuff like demons and skulls and things and she didn't like it. And mm. I mean, they probably also sucked like technically too. They probably weren't good drawings, but anyways, it, I like, I was like, okay, I guess I'll move on. And I was kind of pursuing more of like a career in firefighting. I, I got my EMT basic and I was starting to take fire science classes. And then I'm like, you know what? I mean, I've always loved Alamart. That's always been an influence. And like, I, I would always like do like mock-ups of like, of, you know, releases that existed. And so I took a digital media essentials class, you know, alongside some of the fire science classes and other in generals. And, um, we never weirdly have, like, I, we didn't have a computer. I don't think we were that poor, but we just didn't in Taylorsville. Like mm-hmm. it, it, we just didn't have it. And I, I was like, was intimidated by that world and that connection to art. I always looked at it like cheating or you know, it's not real, but yeah, I took that class and kind of just fell in love with the process of how you could sketch out an idea and bring it into, you know, scan it in and, and then start like a, a digital rendering and really like, layer and mess around with textures and mm. and other things so uh after that i just yeah i started picking up more classes and books and magazines and just fell into a world of design and and then that became my path so so w- when you were discovering this new world was was it just purely out of enjoyment or did you really think about what it would take to do it like professionally that when did that cross your mind and be like oh i can do this for a living yeah um probably not until like college because yeah i had always been into art and and i didn't really know what it meant you know i didn't know what i would do with it i didn't know how i could apply it to like practical things you know like Mm -hmm. i guess like consumer products and yeah. things like that make money, you know, that aren't exactly fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it was in college when I started making that shift and mostly it was for fun. I was like, cool. I just want to be able to do like flyers and right. album art and posters. And, you know, I had no illusions and like, there's no money in that, but sure. It'd be fun to do. Yeah. I always thought I could even do it on the side. If I, if I like continue to pursue the firefighting path. It's like, I saw my father was a firefighter and I saw like, mm. you know, you're on call. So you're there 24 hours, you have downtime and he would like work on cars and other projects until they got a call. I'm like, I could probably do like, you know, some freelance gigs while I'm there. It would work yeah. out. I still think it would. It just, it just became too much to pursue both paths at once. And, you know, I feel more at home at what I'm doing and, and happy. And it's led to a lot of fantastic opportunities for me. So. Yeah, and those when you when you talk about the opportunities, because I remember seeing um, album art of you know local bands and, and flyers, and you had done a couple things for me. Um, but once you were out of out of college, like what really began going into the professional world? Like what was like? Did you start getting like full time gigs, or, like salaried gigs, or was it purely just uh, freelance? Like when when did that all start? Um, it was kind of a slow crawl, really. Cause it's, it's kind of a gatekeeping industry in a lot of ways. It's hard to get in, you know, it's like, well, where's your experience? It's like, well, no one's giving me a chance, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So it first started at a place, well, overstock.com. I started doing image really? editing. Yeah. yeah I, that was my first gig too. <laughs> no way. Hey, yeah, that's dude, hilarious. we have similar paths. So wild. Um, yeah, just like, you know, pretty much image editing, little layout stuff, but mostly just Photoshop, just, mm-hmm. you know, zooming in on, a, you know, packaging at like 400% clipping it, not great work. Um, they laid off like the majority of our team, not like months later. Then I got a job at Liberty mountain, which is like a, uh, outdoor, um, supplier company. Uh, they distribute a lot of like international brands. Um, so I got to work on like their catalogs and their climbing catalog, which was a little more layout intensive and interesting, still a lot of heavy lifting as far as image editing, but it was just like closer to what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. Um, and worked at Cypress Credit Union in-house. Uh, learned a lot there, you know, like doing bigger projects like billboards and things of that nature. But of course, like not my thing, you know, it's yeah. a, a credit union. You know? um, uh, and then I, through some weird circumstances, so like I got laid off in kind of a shady way. It was like Liberty Mountain had offered me a full-time job, which I was pretty interested in because it had to do with climbing you know, and outdoor sports. Yeah. And this is just to give context of what led to like cooler opportunities. So just briefly talk about it anyways. So I brought that up to the Cypress team saying, Hey, I, uh, I you know, I just want to be transparent. I was offered this. It's kind of more in line with what I want to do, but I don't want to leave y'all hanging. Um, what are your thoughts? And they're like, well, we understand you got to look out for your best interests, but we could really use you here. You know, we have like, we're rolling out some projects so like I was loyal and I stayed and then two yeah. weeks later they, I got laid off oh, and they gosh. said, we don't think your head's in it. You know, you should take that other job. I'm like, well, that other job has been filled. He's gone. And so, yeah. yeah. So anyways, it was a good thing. I will give them zero credit for being shady as fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, but at that point I started like putting more into myself, posting stuff on dribble, applying to just random like agency jobs. And then I connected with the agency in Austria called Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I assume they just wanted to do contract work. But uh, from there, they offered me a full-time position and to move to Austria. And it was a really nice package. And I took it. And so Brian and I moved to Austria and, and worked at a really cool agency doing like working with massive brands like, you know, Red Bull, Pearl Azumi pitching for like North face, mm. you know, just like, you know, completely like changed, you know, my perspective on design and advertising and, yeah. and just living in, in, in Europe was, has been a dream of mine for a long time. I was always looking for like student opportunities that never, I was never able to pull off just because of life circumstances. And so it was huge for me, you know? Yeah. And, because I, I remember like, tangentially like knowing you at that time and i had like being a military brat i had been to austria lived in northern italy so like very close by the area and i was just like jealous that you were there <laughs> it looked like you were living the dream but like for someone who might be out there like working as a graphic designer or in like advertising or really any other industry that has a potential to move over there like what was like the process of them like finding you or are you finding them? Was that like a, like a happenstance sort of thing? Or is that something that you were looking to, to do? Was it a, like, was it your goal to move to Europe and, and do that? 
It kind of was. Um, I mean, it all happened through Dribble, but I had an, I had been applying for jobs in Germany, and I knew it was like a shot in the dark because mm-hmm. visas and everything attached to it. Yeah. And so this was just happened through like um, work on Dribble, and I, I yeah, I sincerely thought like, oh, this is exciting, but I really thought they just wanted to work on me, you know, work on remote projects yeah, I mean, like yeah. here and there. And like I remember, I was at Crucial Fest. And, and the CEO was like, Hey, can we set up a call? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a break. And I left, I forget who I was seeing at the time, but popped over to Jade market to grab a drink. And that's when he called and just offered me the position. He's like, how would you like to move to Europe? And I was just like, well, my heart was just racing. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, (laughs) all right, we'll put, we'll put together something for you. Like expect an email. And so Brighton, you know, I, I came home to Brighton and we hadn't been, dating that a lot long she moved back from olympia and we were just starting to hang out and you know um i'm just like hey do you want to move to austria yeah she's like you want to do this adventure with me and and she was down you know and and so yeah the visa process was long and intimidating and like they have to prove that agency has to prove that there's no one in in that sphere, like in Salzburg or Fuchsia that could do the job better than me. And surely there were, but they had to go through those, you know, like they have to really justify hiring and bringing an American over there. Yeah. So it was like kind of touch and go, you know, we, we kept it pretty close. You know, I wasn't going to tell anyone like, Hey, this, this happened until like it was secured. But yeah, we sat on that info for like the majority of the summer until it like became real. So Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, well, that, that, that's really interesting. You say as far as like them proving that they couldn't find anyone else over there could do what you could do. Cause, cause for me, when things were really like, I mean, things are still kind of weird in America, but it's like, what if I did go back to Amsterdam? Cause I, I, I did live there for a little bit. Or if I, what if I did go to Canada and once you look, look into it, it's really difficult <laughs> to immigrate. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you hear stories about like how, us immigration is is brutal like europe immigration is just as brutal if not harder yeah Yeah, it's not easy so like when you hear people say like oh i'm gonna move to canada if if x happens it's like oh okay yeah Yeah. let me know how that works out (laughs) if you find it if you find a hack i'd be interested because i want that kind of flexibility in my life (laughs) right so uh so you brought up brighton like in uh your your now wife which is, which is really cool. Uh, so that was like a, that must've been a, an amazing, I don't know, just an opportunity to get to know each other. But also I, I was curious, is, is graphic design something that she was doing then too? Cause I know she helps you out a little bit as well. Um, you do, uh, you guys are partners with a uh, newer Geist and Rizzo Geist, your, your company now. Was that something that yeah. she was interested in then? Absolutely. Um, she's, she has and still is this a phenomenal like illustrator has an illustration background um so that's kind of how we collaborate is she does more illustrative things and i'll generally like lay it out or set it up for production um although she's really like taken to the like resograph process and and understands setup, color separations, and and everything that goes along with it. So yeah, like she definitely involved in design quite a bit. But yeah, um, 
she's always been into art and drawing and yeah. watercoloring. And so that was just, we found a way to, to collaborate. It isn't always easy because we're both like, um, we want, we're both the creators, you know, yeah. <laughs> like we both want to be doing stuff, uh-huh. you know, but I'll, I'm happy to take a back seat and just like make her ideas happen, you know, like on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the tarot cards, what she's killing it with. It's just like, yeah. yeah, let me just support you as far as like setting it up, you know, getting the most economical setup for print and, and um, layout. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw in some ideas here and there and just run with it. And we've, you know, we've just found a way to like support each other or mm-hmm. do our own thing. You know, we're both working with Spoke Art Gallery and generally we just do our, our own project. Sometimes we'll like meet as Neuer Geist for, for a submission, but generally we're just doing our, our own. But, yeah. So like that, that was a question I wanted to ask as far as like how you take work. Cause like you're, you're saying right now you're doing your own thing, but and you've had all this experience, you know, do, like pitching for North face or, or, or Red Bull. When did you just, or was it, so let, let me rephrase it. Was it a decision for you not to chase after those kind of clients, like after the uh, Vienna thing? Or like, how, when did you land on just doing things for yourself and, and picking and choosing who you work with? Uh, it's always been kind of just a idea in the background, just because of knowing what like collaborations, what projects make me feel good. You know, what I get excited about. I mean, I, I can find... I can make any project fun. Like I, I enjoy like brand limitations and mm. you know, I I'm just into the world of design. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to give a hundred percent no matter what it is, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, I just like the flexibility to be a little more choosy and, you know, less corporate when possible. Um, just cause that's where I started. You know, I started doing stuff for bands and I started doing, um, designs for like political orgs and activists yeah. and collectives and that's just always oh, as long as i've done design and art those have been attached to it so yeah. um, you know i, I never want to uncouple that and it'll it will continue to be a big part of art and design you know as long as i'm alive you know um but yeah i don't know it's just it's always i think it's it's always just been an attractive idea to just to to go at it um alone although i do i do value collaboration i still work i do a lot of contract jobs through different agencies Mm -hmm. because i like that team setting i don't want to just straight up be like a recluse you know it's just like a band like as a collective you will create something that would have never existed if you just did it alone you know just that Mm -hmm. bouncing back ideas uh, different inputs different backgrounds and something amazing that wouldn't exist otherwise is produced from that and I, you know i always respect that so yeah uh, we even though like you know nori geist is brighton and i we try to to collaborate with other artists and other people so. and, yeah, so, and so, also to yeah, oh sorry i was just gonna say also just to talking about brighton she's also like holds it down so much as far as like admin and emails and things that i am horrendous at <laughs> like we would be lost without her like yeah. her communicating basically because i am not that's not my strong point as people probably will realize from this podcast but <laughs> you're, you're doing great no it's it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's interesting because like 
I've tried going freelance, like whether like I got laid off or, or quit or whatever, that stuff is hard. Like as far as like drumming, either like drumming up the business or the communication aspect of it. Like it, like it takes, I mean, you don't typically think a creative person is being great at that sort of thing. Like that's generally the idea. And most of it, most of the time it's true. Yeah. (laughs) Like we're all, we're, we're all a little crazy and you can't keep our crap together unless we're creating something. So that's no, that's an amazing thing to have uh, in, in Brighton, having that admin uh, aspect to it in the communications. So um, in, in going back to like the, the political aspect of, of the work, clearly like both you and I were were uh, attracted to the political aspects of, of hardcore, and clearly you've you've taken it through uh, your work. So if anyone is follow, follows you um, on on Instagram, like you're doing things for uh, DSA or like the the Utah chapter, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong completely, but um, <laughs> but but it's clear like your style lends itself to those political activists sort of things. So, so I'm, I'm wondering as you're going through like potentially working with people, are you, are you, are you, are you thinking about the things that they're supporting with their business? Or are you doing your homework and sort of, sort of thing like that? Like where do you draw the line as far as like your political beliefs and your work? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, I won't say that isn't important to me, but also I really like, I'll never like, um, people got to work, you know, yeah. we're all surviving in a system that is ingrained in capitalism and yeah. corruption. And, you know, like, you know, I'm not going to work with some awful company, but at the same time, I'm not going to audit them and be like, how, what are you guys doing? You know, like yeah. in an ideal world, yeah, I would just work with great, honest people who, who care about others and, and have empathy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in a weird way, sometimes I, I keep it separate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I generally just like try to, you know, if I can, like I, I've been in a position where I, I can just turn down things that I don't mm-hmm. feel good about. Yeah. And, you know, like turn down opportunities that could be like financially beneficial, but, but I know what it will do to me as a person. Like I just, yeah. oh, it'll eat at, it'll eat at me. I just know mm-hmm. myself. Um, so I have to be, you know, I have to tread carefully, um, like, like who, who to work with, you know, I, but yeah, that's, I, I don't know if it's a complicated question or just, yeah. and maybe I haven't like thought thought it through as far as like like concrete guidelines but it just kind of happens organically like who i work with you know there's not really like any i haven't really come across any like huge ethical like Mm -hmm. disagreements you know (laughs) where i'm at odds with my clients but yeah like i think the the closest thing for for myself is that i had at one point had multiple uh firearms firearm brands like a couple of them doing like ar-15s when things were like getting (laughs) this is like five or so years ago when like more of these like shootings were happening and there were there were other people on my team who straight up said no i don't want to work with these brands and so they felt to me yeah (laughs) and what am i to do so like there's always as a creative and if you actually like care like about like world issues and, and politics like it's, it's sometimes you're, you're going to have to run into that 
and you're gonna have to make yeah. a decision. And it's and like you said, it's not as clear cut as you as you think. Yeah, you just kind of have to yeah, take one thing at a time. It's very tricky. And yeah, yeah, like the firearms industry is massive. Yeah, and also like that's a, that's a thing where I probably have a different opinion on just because I don't have like the general liberal idea with it because I feel like if, if I could snap my fingers and make all firearms and weaponry disappear, I would, yeah. but I realized like, <laughs> like, you know, adding limitations on it is definitely going to hurt marginalized communities the most first, mm-hmm. you know, like if there's a gun ban, I do think obviously the way America um, fetishizes weapons and how the industry is handled is, is a joke and definitely yeah. needs to be addressed. But I also think we need to tread very carefully, you know, because it's like when, when groups like the black Panthers are armed, then all of a sudden, like the majority whites are being, yeah, we need to look into gun control. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what happened? Like, I think, yeah, I think it, I absolutely. What happened yeah. is like insane hypocrisy with, with that question, you know, yeah. But anyways, yeah, but totally like, so to answer that question, it's like, yeah, I just try to be conscious of things I really can control. Cause like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know every business's intentions, especially if they're new. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I do know what I can do with the extra energy and resources I have. And I try to dump that into like creating posters, offering free print services to, to orgs and activists and you know, I, I offer myself wherever I can. Um, and you know, I, I love the enthusiasm over last summer and it seemed like the design community really rallied, mm-hmm. just fantastic. But I wish like they would keep that energy and move beyond even just the, because there's these cute lettering things we can do a fun slogan yeah. and it's great. And, and awareness is important, but there's still designers that need to do these like heavy flyers that are just more informational and they're not romantic and, and fun and attractive, but they're necessary, you know, like, and a slogan without a program really has little value. You know, we need strategy. We need boots on the ground to carry these things out. While those things are fun, they're very superficial and they're not sustainable. And like, they need to be backed up by action. So uh, I would like to call the other designers, you know, who, who are taking part of that and getting a lot of followers from it. And, it, and I don't want to say like, don't do that. Um, but also just say, just say like, follow through, like you can do more. There's a ton of orgs out there that need like the boring stuff done that you have the skills and you have the accessibility programs to do mm-hmm. and hop on and do that. Like help us out. You know, like there's, there's so much work to be done. Even like stuff that you'll, you'll never post cause it's just boring, you know, it's just technical. It's heavy. Yeah, it's not sexy. Yeah but it needs to be done, you know? <laughs> so like that, that kind of like is, is a grievance I have, you know, as much as I'm excited to see people rally around me, what to them may be new concepts. Um, I just want to see more of that energy, you know, like not only use it as a way to, to, to propel your Instagram account. Yeah. yeah I was going to bring that up because <laughs> like things got like, yes, there's so many great people doing great work, but it was, it was an, it was very overwhelming, you know, of course, like the news was overwhelming. Like, I'm not going to like minimize that at all, but like a lot of people got involved, but then to your point, you know, cause I'm a, I'm not a designer. I'm a, I'm a copywriter and I've done work for like these huge, like telecommunications brands, like doing pamphlets, like that stuff is not sexy, like at yeah. all, <laughs> but to your point, 
they're informational. People need to read it. Like as far as like whatever you're yes. selling or the idea you're getting across. And when I think what's cool about like graphic design, like you can make those things look cool. Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen the things that you've printed, you know, like with a flyer <laughs> for, for May Day, right? Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, because we, we were chatting about that like while we were setting this up. And I remember seeing those posts as they came up. I'm like, man, that's cool. I'm kind of interested. <laughs> and I wouldn't consider myself a socialist like at all, you know? But, like, hey, but, that's but good to hear though. But there's like, but like I said, there's value to making things look good. I think people have like a, a natural inclination to know that like if something looks appealing or not, you know, whether they realize yeah. it or not. And I think that's what's amazing about like design. It's like the science of, of this sort of thing. Like, how do we unlock that? Not even like the science. Like, eh, I mean, there could be some science to it, but it's like a mix of like the spirit of what people know looks good and how to do it scientifically to draw that out. I don't know. That's just yeah. being kind of hippie about it. But, but no, you're absolutely on the nose with that. And part of me like wished it wasn't always the case, you know? Mm. Um, but it is like, I, I can't help being drawn to those things yeah. and they can, they can seduce you to, to like the wrong areas in life, you know, like good design. <laughs> I mean, if you look at like fascists in history, like, mm. like fucking Hitler, like he employed like top tier designers to get their uniforms, you know, cause he knew. Yeah. And it obviously it was a hundred percent evil. Yeah. Corruption, monstrous ideals 100%. that he knew how to, to like to rally those masses and to you know to organize in that manner. And yeah, we need to weaponize design for good things, you know, to draw empathy and to get to to feed on people's emotions to like take yeah. action in their personal lives, you know. And if it takes like something that's a you know a little more attractive looking or well designed or just organizing the way you can digest the content um, to where it makes sense to you and, and hits a chord. That's important to do for like good things. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a reason why a lot of those designs, whether it be like used for evil means are still being used like today. Like, yeah. It's, it's cr- I mean, I'm not going to, people don't want to let them go. Yeah. They like, yeah. I love that symbol. Is there a way we can reclaim it? It's like, it's just fucking done. Just move on. You yeah. know, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's tainted, you know, but yeah, because it, it's a cool design and people are, you know, they can't let go of it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. certain. It's, it's wild. Design is wild. Like it's, it's one of those, um, it's, it's one of those things where I wish I would have, paid attention to more when I was younger or I remember being in high school having access to Photoshop and I didn't have like a Mac at home or I didn't have like a digital camera so I was kind of handcuffed but what if I didn't you know me because design is cool it's awesome it's 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 yeah (laughs) it's amazing and I'm jealous of of all the good designers out there (laughs) no one wants to read copywriting (laughs) hey that's a skill I value because I can't I am terrible at it. And I find my, you know, myself in instances where sometimes I just have to do it, even for like a proof of concept. And it is, you don't know how excruciating it is for me just to like send an email sometimes. So I value that skill. And yeah. Well, thanks. That makes me feel a little bit better. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we, we kind of mentioned it in, in, and we can talk about this and 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 I can let you go back to you, your your life. But um we were we were mentioning about like 
playing shows and in doing and having bands and, and things like that is that something now that um it seems to we have we have a good uh i'm gonna edit this i just brain farted big time it yeah. seems like we have the, the light at the end of the tunnel as far as COVID is concerned right in in my mind I'm like oh i've got i'm vaccinated i can start planning shows right and then kind of what you're saying like all the extra energy that comes with that like I kind of have to think of that too. Is is that something you're going to be actively doing uh, once everything is is lifted? We can start having shows the way we used to have them, or are you going to be a little bit more, um, you know, measured with, with with those sort of plans of playing music again? I mean, yeah, I just feel like I I don't have a choice. I feel like it will suck me in, you know. Yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to plan now and like figure out some kind of structure to where it doesn't like take over and not that it's a bad thing. I just, I just have so much, I have a lot of things going on that I need to like, yeah. Reso guys is like a whole other like entity that Brian and I don't really have enough to, cause we want to open it up to the community and, mm-hmm. and just do more. Um, but it's time consuming, you know, taking on other people's print projects as well as just doing our own and general maintenance. Um, and yeah, we, we have a lot going on with our agency like some pretty big stuff we're excited about and i just know i can't like i can't take that lightly yeah so i just i guess i want to move forward i know i will with the music scene with boundaries i still want to get out to shows as a means of entertainment and supporting my friends because salt lake always has cool things going on almost to your fault sometimes there's those nights where you're choosing between two friends shows you know (laughs) um there's just so much and i'm just i like i'm excited and scared for that. Uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm still continue. Like we've held a space at Posi Forth. Uh, Brian and I had been like writing songs for a, a project, I guess like for the past few years, just slowly called Nadezhda. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a grunge project. Um, uh, but we haven't done anything with it. I would love to at least record, maybe get a few live shows in when the time is right for that. Yeah, it's always been on the back of my thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's been like the weird thing for me too, because like I'm I'm vaccinated, and technically, like especially I don't know if you saw the CDC today saying like, well, if you're vaccinated, you can just go without masks for the most part. Yeah, and, and I'm still like, like okay, I can book this show, and I and I'm talking with a promoter about potentially doing that, but like I'm still feeling that like hesitation, like it yeah, feel like. I might, I might feel like this for a long time, just in general. Right. Like even if I'm yeah. going to target or whatever, like I'm, I'm probably still going to wear a mask because it's just what I've been doing. It is normal, but like, I do want to go to a show like it'd yeah. be great to be with other people, but how, like, and so I think that's yeah. just like the big question for me right now. Totally, like, I guess everyone needs to just decide for themselves. And yeah, yeah. I think it's just a lot of like, in a way like weird PTSD, like, am I ready? Yeah. Like it feels, yeah. Being vaccinated and like, yeah, just stepping out in the public in more open ways, you know, it, it, it feels off just cause yeah, this has been our life and our life is like the biggest takeaway. we like shows. That was the thing is like, absolutely not. This is a breeding ground for COVID, <laughs> you know, like you're sweating all over each other. And yelling, and like, you know, like yelling yeah. back to the mic or whatever. I mean, and I should clarify, like, I, I definitely am not, like, talking shit on anyone that has sure. played shows. Because I know, like, it's 
I probably should like throw out respect to like organizing during COVID because I know they they're taking precautions yeah. and like yeah. it probably adds an extra level of the stress of booking a show. Yeah, and I just like personally, you know, I'm just not ready for that move yet. And you haven't seen like, yeah, you haven't seen like just the like the very local scene like fire up yet because you know yeah. they're the ones that are going to hold each other accountable to whatever standard because we have to because we're yeah. DIY. You know, if we mm-hmm. fuck up, you know, it could close the venue. Yeah. You know, don't want some super spreader event, but yeah, it's, it's just like, when am I going to feel comfortable? Like, like pile, like with pylons, sing-alongs, like, you know, yeah. it, it's so unique, but yeah, masks will probably be a part of my life, especially when I'm sick. I remember yeah. like seeing melt banana come through Kilby years ago. Yeah. And, like the guitarist and someone else had a mask. I'm like, what's wrong with them? Like, why would they have a mask? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. They probably have like a cold and didn't want to give it to us because they care about yeah. us. You know, like it's so logical. Yeah. Well, like, and they're from like what Japan. Yeah. So they have like this other culture of like this sort of thing. Hey, whether it be like, uh, for pollution, you know, mm-hmm. but probably because of that too, as far as like being sick and not wanting to give it to other yeah. folks. Like, I mean, I it's, it's physics. Like that's a small venue. And like, if you're sick, you're liable to get everyone else sick and kill court, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. It's such a, like, basic lesson we should have known but like kind of COVID has taught like about just general like spreading colds and flu just like oh yeah shit this is practical and it's really not that inconvenient like yeah i probably i'm not going to be wearing a mask jogging on a trail or biking um maybe a grocery store i'll keep that up definitely like at a show that's like at the start that's like super packed why not you know just to just to be safe and to have like solidarity for those who may have not been able to get the vaccine yet or yeah. Why not? But yeah, I know once I'm back in an office, like if I just have a sniffle, like that mask is on, like just for everyone else, <laughs> for everyone else's sake. Yeah. So I, I hope that that's the sort of thing that, that stays with us. So last question. So we talked a little bit about politics and about a, about music and and how that coincides with each other. If you had to pick top three bands or songs, let's go with let's go with songs. Top three songs that if you wanted to share your politics with someone, what would you give them off the top of your head? Oof, that's way hard for me. I mean, propaganda would definitely be um, up there for me. Um, I really like Note to Self. Um, that would probably be one. I mean, they're just a band that's like stuck to their guns and very like politically aware. Like I don't align with them on every single thing, but I just respect that they like push that message and like back it up and through like decades have, have kept it going. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Uh, dude, yeah, this is, this is difficult on, on the fly. <laughs> it's like something I feel like I may need to submit um, you know, maybe I can help because I remember one time we were chatting about international noise conspiracy. Oh yeah, conversations about that. Yeah, okay, yeah. We'll say international noise conspiracy. Let's make history would be a good one. Okay. Also, fall silent. The rulers fall silence like an incredible hardcore band from Reno. That's like tragically like underhyped. <laughs> like they're so good, and they're like they're so like without even trying to be, they're like philosophical and just have like hit a lot of shit on the nose like that early on too. In hardcore, they're like super political. Um, 
or endeavor this is four choices but maybe it would take supersede one of the others endeavor bleed them dry like endeavor was actually like a band that was super super important in my path because in their liner notes they would have book recommendations yeah yeah and so like that like that was super important in my path like education a lot of like the writers that i look back on like i've feel like i'm like okay i'm not being on a hundred percent but it led me to like where i am now Mm -hmm. um and i'll always appreciate that and those resources so didn't yeah. Raging Machine Evil Empire have a bunch of book covers in the liner notes? I don't know if I'm imagining that or not, but I've, I I can clearly I'd have to look at it. I had it downstairs, but I think you're right. Um, I just remember. Yeah, seeing, I mean, Rage is yeah, yeah, Rage is super important as far as like yeah. Um, what is that song? We stand on a silent platform, fight the war, fuck the norm. Yeah, whatever yeah, that song yeah. is. Like things like that just really got things stirring within me, you know. Um, yeah, there's so many. That's like to to narrow it to three. I would I would honestly have to like really think hard because I can't concretely say these are the ones, you know. Yeah. But, well, we got about like four or five. I think I think if if yeah. someone wanted to dive in and and check it out, they they've 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 got the the list right here at least a, for a few. So. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Thanks, thanks for hopping on and, and, and talking about your work and, and politics and, and hardcore. It, and even the even the graphic design life. Maybe someone will hear this and want to go and want to go free freestyle, not freestyle, freelance. <laughs> Make coffee. Go freestyle. That's freestyling on your freelance. Way more exciting than yeah. the shit I'm doing. <laughs> on yeah. a whiteboard, and they can take that. And print it. <laughs> whatever yeah well thanks so much for having me i mean i feel flattered i don't feel like i'm any like person of interest i don't think i'm a name that's known by anyone but hopefully like some insights can be helpful uh, you know for sure um, yeah. i'm i was open to that if anyone wants to reach out about printing or design or any question or like uh, please political things email me and i uh, you know i'm always down to talk about it and discuss it further so yeah, and if I if I were to make a, a suggestion for anyone listening, um, definitely check out uh, Risa Geist, uh, um, Derek and Brighton's uh, printing uh, arm of their business as well. Um, also check out. Uh, I'm probably saying or near Geist. Did I get that's it? way close? Neuer Geist. I, I was mean, born in Germany, but I can't speak a lick of it. So there's so many dialects though, too. You know, I, I probably got it right some somehow. Yeah, somewhere, <laughs> some village. Like, but yeah, we we pronounce that as Neuer Geist. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, check yeah. out check out the Instagram. I love uh, you mentioned it. The the tarot card uh, designs. I I personally love love that style, especially the midsummer ones. So that's one of my favorite movies. So I was really really happy to see that. So Oh yeah, Brighton killed that on those. Love that set for sure. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get it just just for myself and and and, and frame them up. So anyway, yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it.